Hello, fam, and welcome to the 19th episode of Breaching Extinction. Uh, We've been doing some episodes that are a little bit different, Um, and this week we actually have um, a rare species that I recently discovered. Um, So there's one resident orca in Monterey Bay, and we discovered her, and her name's Emily. Hey, And so she's here to tell us about her experience as an orca. Yes, I've been an orca my entire 23 years of existence. It's been great. I've had a lot of challenges, you know, living on land and right. taking up residence in a medium-sized apartment. Right. Um, on land, oh. in, in, in the city of Monterey, not off the coast. Yes. So, um, yeah. So why aren't you in the water? Um... I don't know. It just at some point in my life, I shrunk and grew some legs. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I grew some hair. Weird. What an adaptation. This is fascinating. Um, I hope someone has written this down because I would like credit for my very recent discovery. Yes. Also, she's critically endangered. There is just one land-based orca. So, yes. I have no clue who I'm going to reproduce with. Yeah, no idea. So, if there's another land-based orca... Please let us know. Find us. Emily's out here. We need to reproduce ASAP. <laughs> um, actually, okay, but Emily's not an orca, lol. Sorry. Sorry, fam. <laughs> Emily is a human. Um, she actually went to Biola University in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and um, she majored in communication. So basically, we're going to talk about um, really good like communication skills, how to make education and, and information more accessible. Um, because right now in our little Orca community, it is a time for a call to action. We've got the March for the Dams going on next month. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week and on this week's episode. But yeah, we want to talk about communication because all this information is super relevant, but there's a lot of people that just don't know. And one of the things that I'm finding is the more people we tell, the more people care. So we want to make sure that we're giving the best information that we can and communicating in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, Emily, how can we make information more accessible? Yes. So, um, I love the fact that so many people have access to the internet and have access to technology that connects them to information in lots of places where you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, they wouldn't have had access. So I personally love social media. I love podcasts, especially because Mm -hmm. I think hearing the voice of scientists, of people who are working in the field, um, makes the science feel so much more personal, makes the topic feel, you know, like there are real people behind it instead of a faceless, you know, words on a screen that, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes journal articles can feel like. So I love social media. I love podcasts. Um, I love anything that can be accessible to an average person, any form of media that's not behind a paywall. Yes, for sure. I just saw a meme recently that it was like a scientific paper titled like the inaccessibility of science growing, but then there was like a fee attached with it was either like a monthly subscription of like $20 or like a hundred and something dollars just to buy it outright, which is insane. Like people should have access to information. Yes, definitely. And A lot of universities allow their students to access journals for free, but once Mm -hmm. you leave the university space, if you're trying to do research on your own, there just aren't any avenues. Yes, that is a roadblock I've run into. I've been going to look up stuff just because I want to be a better naturalist, want to be better at this, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, so you just want me to pay like hundreds of of dollars, and the sad thing is it doesn't even go to the scientists, it goes to the publishers. Right, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Um, recently a related topic. So, um, with the coronavirus outbreak, a lot of scientists who did some preliminary studies, Mm -hmm. granted they're not peer reviewed, they haven't, 
you know, been developed over a long period of time, but certain journals allowed those articles to be released to the public without mm-hmm. paying for uh in journals that are usually a paid subscription. Okay. So sometimes when the science is pressing and the need to get information out to the public is dire like it mm-hmm. has been. Yes. In the recent outbreak, um yeah, sometimes that is happening. Yeah. Um so if you want more information about the orcas, go to wildorca.org. Yes. Um Deborah Giles is really good at making information accessible um through the internet but also just through language as well but yeah that's i mean this is a pressing issue the coronavirus is a pressing Mm -hmm. issue yeah people are dying whales are dying we don't have time to not know what the heck is going on that's true yeah Yeah. information is key information saves lives literally it does it literally does on land and in the sea and in the sea yes Mm -hmm. i'm definitely noticing how powerful social media is and i've i've made a lot of negative comments about social media in previous episodes just because i think Sometimes a lot of people root their value in it, and there, we, mm-hmm. there are some, like, whale photographers out there that are not necessarily into it for the science, but they're into it mm-hmm. for the money, and it's, like, a whole thing. Um, but I, today, um, have really realized the power of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, as many of you know, you saw our Instagram post, Peachy is not doing great, um, but we were able to raise money to get her to have surgery, and that was because of the internet mm-hmm. and the power of the internet. So... Thanks, everyone, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So um, what do you think are, like, some good tools to connecting people with science um, or connecting to people, it, like, with science through verbal communication? Yeah. So I feel like if you're going to use verbal communication channels, you have to make sure that you're presenting information in a way that people will understand. Mm-hmm. And so I think you need to strike a good balance between um, saying fact accurately, not mm-hmm. masking the truth that's mm-hmm. out there. Um, that builds your ethos, that builds your credibility mm-hmm. with your audience. Um, but you also need to do it in a way that's accessible. Yes. Like there are so many words um, related to marine ecology mm-hmm. and to different facets of science that I, while being an educated person, my education is in communication. Mm-hmm. So I can't step into a, a heady, high-level scientific conversation about orcas. Mm-hmm. But if somebody takes the time to explain to me these terms that I need to hear, mm-hmm. if somebody uses language instead of... I don't, I don't know. Is there like a scientific thing? terms or yeah. like, yeah. Like I don't, I, I don't know the scientific name for orcas. Right. Or sinus orca. Now you do. Thank you yes. so much. But if somebody just said that to me in conversation, I wouldn't know. Right. And so it's so important to consider your audience, consider the level of knowledge that they're at mm-hmm. and seek to expand it. Yeah. Seek to expand their knowledge and not go over their head. Don't make them feel dumb. Mm-hmm. Invite them into the conversation. Yes. I definitely think that that is crucial. Um, just like speaking from personal experience, like I grew up in a lower socioeconomic background and I grew up in the Midwest and the school system's a bit different. And that was one of the, I was always very determined to get into science, but um, that was one of the things that really was discouraging is when people like kind of talk down to you. You never know where somebody's at, and I always encourage you if somebody's expressing a passion to um, foster that and help it grow as opposed to, like, you know, trying to to come off as, like, uppity or pretentious and being like, oh, I know all these things. Because that's cool. We love that you know all those things, but that does no good if we can't share it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of it this way. If you want somebody to care about science, mm-hmm. they're not going to care about science if you just throw a bunch of big words at them mm-hmm. and brag about all your degrees. Yes. But if you explain to them the beauty of the ocean, the yes. direness of the situation that the orcas are in, mm-hmm. and you present it in a way that they'll understand, they'll really start to care. Uh, yes. Honestly, nobody cares how many degrees you have and yeah. how many words you know. Yes. But if you communicate it clearly, um, 
earnestly and Mm -hmm. in a way that is accessible, people will start to care. Yeah. Um, So that kind of leads into, like, one of the questions I have on here is how do we best reach all people? Yes. Um, I feel like it comes down again to um, just knowing your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, So many people are on social media. um, And so obviously using our digital tools Mm -hmm. um, are... Um, is a very effective way of reaching everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also, even if you're not a sciencey person, if Mm -hmm. you start to, you know, become involved in these conversations, Mm -hmm. if you start listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. share it with your friends. Mm -hmm. People are more inclined to care about something if they know that people they know care about it too. True. And so, you know, um, humans mirror other humans they mirror the things they care about they Mm -hmm. mirror facial spatial expressions they mirror emotions and so I feel like just by encouraging everyone to participate Mm -hmm. and if you care about something being vocal and open about that will Mm -hmm. invite more and more people into the conversation yeah but it it starts with you know a few people who are in the inside of this information putting it out there yes in a way that is accessible yes and that's kind of where I'm at right now because I feel like most of the people that listen to this podcast are people that are invested in the whales they're in the killer whale community they very much know what's up um, so we're trying to expand that to other people. So mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. Friends, share this with your non-whale friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always helpful. Um, what are some like common communication failures that you've seen that we can try to avoid? Yes. So I think um, I think it's really important to be mindful of tone. Mm-hmm. I think especially on social media, mm-hmm. tone gets lost. Mm-hmm. So you you never want to come across as being condescending Mm -hmm. or rude um there are obviously times where we need to correct other people but it Mm -hmm. needs to clearly be from a place of kindness yes and so if you speak to somebody in a way that comes across as angry or derogatory your your listener is going to shut down for sure people never want to hear it when somebody Mm -hmm. is upset with them or thinks that they're ignorant Mm -hmm. or whatever so as we seek to teach people to correct misinformation, we have to make sure that the words we're using come from a neutral or positive place. Mm-hmm. That come from a place of wanting the conversation to grow and mm-hmm. be built up instead mm-hmm. of instead of tearing individuals down. Right. It has to be focused on the information. Right. Maybe being like, hey, mm-hmm. like, I love your enthusiasm. However, like, how about, or you could just phrase it as a question maybe of like, let's explore this together. Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? And then like, you guys could look at the facts together potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. One of the things I've kind of been seeing recently is a lot of people, like, it is theorized right now that there are 72 Southern residents, but the Center for Oil Research hasn't officially said that for sure. Okay. And I've been seeing a lot of people like spreading that around and I don't personally want to like come and be like, yo fam, like, it's still, it's not official yet, but I think it's super important that we spread accurate information um do you have any tips for like helping people find accurate information yes so if i'm ever in a situation where i see a false news story Mm -hmm. circulating or a false bit of information Mm -hmm. if i'm going to respond to it i typically link a an article Mm -hmm. from a reliable source cool so it's not just me random person on the internet saying hey Mm -hmm. you're wrong i don't think this is correct Mm -hmm. you're backing up your statement yes with reputable with Mm -hmm. reputable data with reputable information and again make sure when you say it you say something like hi i actually heard something different from this Mm -hmm. source um check out this article yeah that's a good idea instead instead of saying something like okay you dummy yeah for sure Uh, (laughs) 
for don't sure. you read yes um and it is super important to make sure to be spreading accurate information um we actually have a special guest um that's that would like to share a social wombat story yes yes ma'am Okay, so um, we just had a really recent um, article that we found that was not true. So our lovely friend Laura Kaczynski is here to tell us this, the wombat story. Hello, <laughs> I am Laura. I am unprepared. Uh, the story comes from Instagram. It was a very cute, um, positive, uplifting story about how uh, during the... Australian, Australian bushfires. Bushfires. Wombats were were sharing their their tunnels and even like herding some smaller animals into their tunnels to protect them and provide them shelter during these fires. And that sounds super lovely and wonderful, but if you look into it a little bit, that is not actually true. That's mm-hmm. not actually the facts. The truth is that sometimes abandoned tunnels might be used by some other animals or maybe perhaps a wombat will follow another animal (laughs) into a tunnel that makes it look like they're herding this other animal in but they're not herders they're not they're not here to to help the other animals they just maybe allow some other animals to exist in some tunnels that they're not using right now yep so a really nice sweet story is it hurting anyone sharing it? Maybe not necessarily, but yeah. we want to be having some facts out there. And it's yeah. a good idea even for theoretically harmless stories like that to um, to do a little bit of research, dig a little deeper, yes. and just make sure that we've got the facts. Yes. And so immediately after I enthusiastically shared that article with everyone I knew, <laughs> I had to send them some follow-up articles disproving that so yes because it's you know the potential for that to be real is a thing you know we see empathy in animals all the time but yeah super important to fact check Mm -hmm. it is exciting when wombats potentially share their dens but Mm -hmm. we got to make sure they're actually sharing their dens not just following (laughs) animals into dens Yes. Thank you for sharing, friend. You're welcome. We... Anytime. Yep. Yeah. Okay, if I can jump in on yes. that story, yes. speaking about correcting misinformation, I think it is so important for people to have examples of humility yes. in, in the people that they follow. I think sometimes something that we forget about when mm-hmm. we're... Social media is an amazing tool, but I think it's sometimes very hard, for better or for worse, Mm -hmm. to remember that the person on the other side is human. Mm -hmm. So I think we think of certain news organizations or even, you know, um, scientific research hubs as Mm -hmm. infallible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're not. News articles will post revisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a really, really good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to have grace for people when they unintentionally share misinformation yes and i think if you're in a position you know say like this podcast is Mm -hmm. like other high profile folks in the science world who care about these issues if you're somebody in that position and you share misinformation i think it is so so important Mm -hmm. to own up to it to apologize and to put accurate information out there i think we need more more examples of 
um, how to gracefully own when you're wrong. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things to do. And I think the fact that everyone can see her mistakes on social media makes it hard to want to admit that you are wrong. But I think Mm -hmm. we just need more and more examples of how to do that well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think also like showing that you're wrong when you're in a position of of power like that you're right it definitely just kind of it shows that they're human too I think it makes the situation more approachable but like you know I think that's a a cultural flaw that we have especially with with people who are in um positions that have a lot of influences like you're like oh you don't get to make mistakes and like that's not true Mm -hmm. like you know we need to have grace for our politicians and for everyone you Mm -hmm. know and last week on the episode that we had um Adelaide had asked me like you know what I think about the orca task force and what I said is like you know there's definitely are things that they could do better there's things that they could have done more of but they tried I think they could have tried harder Mm -hmm. but like you know those politicians aren't scientists they were listening to scientists which we appreciate Mm -hmm. but like we can't expect perfection from politicians or from scientists or from anyone we all do our best you know absolutely so I think it's a good point I'm really glad that you brought that up Mm mm-hmm um so yeah I we've touched on social media a little bit but I was you know gonna ask what your thoughts on social media are and it seems as though they're positive mm-hmm. yeah. it's positive proceed with caution mm-hmm. own when you're wrong always fact check on your own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those are those are kind of my big tips and yes. keep it civil yes always keep it civil um and uh can we circle back to like any recommendations that you have for finding good articles like where where would you find a reputable source Oh, so typically, if I see a news article mm-hmm. about about a topic like like science, for mm-hmm. example, um, an environmental news story, I will always click on the links embedded mm-hmm. in the article or check at the end of the article to see if there are any sources mm-hmm. and what those sources are. Cool. If these sources are things like journals mm-hmm. or, you know, interviews with scientists, mm-hmm. then I'm like, cool this article is probably pretty reputable. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I have the opportunity to go and look at those sources myself and determine if the right. information in the article matches what I see in the sources. Mm-hmm. If I find an article from a website I've never heard of and there mm-hmm. are no sources listed anywhere, mm-hmm. it's, it's just not a good indicator of the right. credibility of that article. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at an article for something in the realm of science, environmental news, mm-hmm. um, politics, you always want to make sure there are additional sources to verify the information you're seeing. Yeah. The more sources, the better. Yes, for sure. And anything from a university or from, mm-hmm. like, an accredited research institution is always ideal. And if you guys have questions about facts or articles or things that you've seen or you want more sources, you can always send them to us and we're happy to look at it and tell you if that's a reputable source or not because mm-hmm. um, you're not really going to know what a reputable source is unless you like went to college and took a class where somebody told you about that and not everybody has a chance to go to college. So yeah. we're here to kind of try to bridge the gap because unfortunately um, life isn't fair and environmental education is extremely exclusive and really only accessible to those that can afford to be in the field just because things cost money and internships are unpaid and a lot of places don't want to pay you um Mm -hmm. so whatever we can do to bridge that gap and get people connected to the orcas let us know um i had another question so what do you think about the role of like political activism in marches like what kind of and how does like communication play into that yes i think political activism in marches are such an important place for conversations to happen Mm -hmm. um so i think 
one kind of like I mentioned earlier, if you see all of your friends going out and going to this environmental march, you're mm-hmm. going to start to be curious about it. You mm-hmm. might even want to go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and even people who don't who don't go to the march or who don't necessarily agree with you, suddenly you've become this person to them who cares about this environmental issue. Mm-hmm. So then you become a person to that friend who maybe doesn't know anything or mm-hmm. maybe doesn't care, doesn't know how to care about it. Mm-hmm. You become a person that they feel like is approachable Mm -hmm. because you have visibly expressed your support right for this issue Mm -hmm. yeah no that's super awesome you know i've heard like a lot of arguments people will be like oh you know marches don't actually get anything done and i disagree you know Mm -hmm. when we look over the course of history like you know mlk and everything like there's there's a whole lot of marches and i think if anything you know even if it doesn't necessarily get the complete whatever your political goal was I think bringing people together spreading ideas spreading passion like that's planting a seed Mm -hmm. and that goes elsewhere and like the reason I I asked this question is because the march for the dams are coming up Mm -hmm. um and I do want to encourage as many people to go as Mm -hmm. as they can I'm still going to try to go that's going to be dependent on um how my dog's surgery goes um but yeah like I highly encourage everybody to go if they can yeah Another word, uh, another word about marches is that they tend to attract media coverage. Yeah. And so, you know, even though the March for the Dams might just be happening in this one area of the country, mm-hmm. if the news starts to hear about it and articles mm-hmm. start to get published, people all across the country or the world can start mm-hmm. to can start to hear about the activism that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something also to be said for, you know, the repetition of the message. If people start to see, hey, a lot of people are marching for the environment. A mm-hmm. lot of people are marching for women's rights. A lot mm-hmm. of people are marching for civil rights. Um, those messages start to stick. Mm-hmm. The more and more people hear good, solid messages about what we should do about the issues of our day, mm-hmm. the more likely they are to believe them, to start asking questions, For sure. to explore and, you know, get on the right side of history. Yeah. And we definitely want to, like, open up that door, too, and, like, you know, foster that curiosity that people have. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a really good point. You know, I do want to encourage people to keep making noise. Um, mm-hmm. I have, like, very mixed feelings on social media and I'm starting to see more of the power and the good in that you know Mm -hmm. just because of what it's been able to do um you know I still urge people to go outside and not like get too caught up in social media but like you know use it wisely and if you're somebody who has a decent social media following which most of the people that like we follow or that we've interviewed like Pacific Northwest protectors and like you know Gary Sutton and things like that like and Jordan Lerma oh my god like such good facts um really solid information um so I definitely like recommend like those sort of things but yeah be okay with not I think that's like what you were saying is show some humility like if you made a mistake own up to it Mm -hmm. so like and then and know that it's okay because we all do it we all make mistakes but I feel like it definitely makes people more approachable Mm -hmm. um do you have any final thoughts or like yeah things final thoughts um Another social media presence that does this very well, mm-hmm. um, especially with marine issues, is the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yes. Which is now right literally in our backyard. Yes. Um, their Instagram and their Twitter, those are the two channels that I follow. They're so funny and they sprinkle in facts about all of these animals that mm-hmm. they have at the aquarium and that they're helping conserve. Mm-hmm. And like, I just learn so much by like, you know, mm-hmm. scrolling through Twitter, chuckling at some like 
ocean pun they made and then I like click on the article or mm-hmm. the link that they shared and I learn all about the sunfish or yes. whatever. Yes. So Monterey Bay Aquarium also has some pretty solid ocean facts and they're doing some great work. Yes, they definitely are. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah one of the things I noticed um because I've talked to some of the people that work in education there is like they have their approach is kind of to share stories as opposed to sharing mm-hmm. facts. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of at a place that we're at because the facts are so dry and even as somebody that is has a vested interest and passion in this, sometimes I'll read stuff and it'll be very dry, even to me, who, like, I, like Ellie always jokes with me because I only really read nonfiction, and mm-hmm. she's like... Me too. Like, yeah, she's like, what is <laughs> wrong with way. you? And, yes. like, but, like, still, like, you know, um, I think, you know, the sharing of the stories are helpful. I think that's why people, like, that's why I like Cy Montgomery, who, she's, like, a... a uh, nature novelist um she has like so many popular books because mm. she's really able to connect with people I'm not like I'm a reader but I'm not like somebody that will read a book in a day and I've done that with a couple of her books because she's just oh, wow. like she's just amazing yeah. um yeah that's one point I always always forget because I love nonfiction. yes like, like put me in a room with like four newspapers and mm-hmm. I'll just read them and be super happy mm-hmm. um but there is so much power in a good narrative. Yes. That's why we love books so much. That's why yes. we like movies. That's yes. why we like TV. Because we love seeing stories. Yes. And stories convey messages sometimes better than a data. Yeah. Like a chart full of data will. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't don't dismiss a good narrative. If you have a rockin' story about you and your work in the field or just something yeah. really cool that you saw. I remember just being a Monterey resident. I was at the beach one day and... I saw, uh, it was either a seal or a sea lion. I'm so bad at it. I can't tell them apart. Could you tell me what it looks like? It was, it was kind of small. It was, it was nakey. Small, nakey. Yeah. It didn't have like a lot of fur or anything. Okay. Was it like about this big? Probably. Okay. So it's about like, I, my hands are about like three or four feet right now. I'm going to go ahead and say that was probably a harbor seal. If it didn't have ear flaps, then it was, then it was a seal. So that's. It did not have ear flaps. Thank you. Yes. So So I saw a seal. Yes. So the difference between. Between a seal and a sea lion now that you know just because um well one of the main differences is the the sea lions are going to have those ear flaps and then the seals are going to have the ear holes so it's not going to be think, yeah i think this guy had ear holes, holes. yeah and okay then also they're flippers too but we don't need to get into that continue, cool. continue. okay so one day i was at the beach reading a book and yes. i saw this um seal mm-hmm. we decided it's a seal on a rock and I, I started watching it because it was kind of moving in a weird way mm-hmm. and I noticed that there was a woman standing kind of nearby who also had an eye on this seal mm-hmm. so I was like okay and she picked up her phone a little while later and said yeah I'm at I'm at this intersection on mm-hmm. this street at this beach and I realized that that seal was hurt oh. and because we live in the Monterey Bay so many people know the numbers for local marine rehabilitation centers and so Sick. she had called one of them mm-hmm. and as the afternoon wore on, they probably took about maybe 40 minutes to get here. And I was mm-hmm. just kind of reading my book and seeing what would happen. And um, a couple people walked by and asked about the seal. And the mm-hmm. woman said, yeah, the Marine Rehabilitation Center is on the way. Mm-hmm. He looks kind of hurt mm-hmm. as he moved around more. I think I think he had like a scar or mm-hmm. a scab or something on some part of his body. He had been injured. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of stuck on this rock. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, 40 minutes later, there were probably 15 people standing mm-hmm. here watching and waiting for the Marine rehabilitation yeah. folks to come Aww. and they came in their little truck they put them on a little like little like stretcher sea, yeah Cute. sea gurney and they they took him in the car and everyone was clapping and everyone thanked the marine the marine volunteers because mm-hmm. they all had volunteer shirts like, of course they always not, do because they funding always do and that's funding. Like, yeah 
but like everyone was like helping and cheering and thanking these mm-hmm. marine volunteers for what they did mm-hmm. and i just love how much this community cares yes about the environment and that that woman thought to call the marine rehabilitation center yes and that there were so many people who were just kind of strolling around on a sunday afternoon who decided to stop and make sure the seal was going to be okay yes and so it was just one seal whose life got saved that day but it's important it's so important and it it just really encouraged me that there are volunteers working on a sunday who are willing to come pick up an injured seal Mm -hmm. and that there was a woman out there who cared enough to call yeah absolutely it's it's super important i mean a lot of people be like oh it's just one animal but like that's a life at the end of the day absolutely and we're out here fighting for lives and i think that you know the people in this field are so passionate because we can see that those lives are so similar to ours, you know, mm-hmm. especially with the orcas, just because that we see them in their in their family groups and um, traveling and and having fun and socializing and you know being acrobatic and so, yeah, that's that's super sick. We love we love to save the seals. We love to save the whales. Yes, we do. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's all we have for you guys. It is a shorter shorter episode this week, but, you know, it's a Friday. You guys probably have weekend plans, you know, gotta, gotta go get turnt for the whales or whatever. Who knows? But yeah, definitely um, try to go to the march if you can. If you can't make it, like, share it on social media because we have learned the internet is powerful, media is powerful. Um, just to recap, you know... Be nice when you're correcting people. Also, be able to correct yourself. Be a human um, and share facts. Share good facts. Um, If you guys have any other questions, let us know. Um, But, yeah, feel free to send us questions on social media, our website, all that jazz. But hope you guys enjoy your week. And thanks for joining us. And thanks, Lara. And thanks, Koopies. Koopies is here. There's a rat in the wall, we think. (laughs) And he's going to be, yeah, he's at the wall. Yeah, he's on rat patrol. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.